Dave from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. How you doing, Darren? Doing all right, doing okay. Just, you know, living life, chasing the dream. Mm-hmm. Doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, you know, a week out after the after my big birthday extravaganza. You know, it's good. Calming down from that. The big soiree. As you know, I... Uh, had a steak on my birthday and immediately went to sleep. So it's uh, mm. this is the come down from that that big crazy yeah, wild night. I mean, that's we are at the age. You know, you have a steak, you immediately have to sleep for the next week. Oh my god! And barbecue. You do most even... anything. You have to sleep for the next week. Yeah. <laughs> I basically turn like, yeah, just Rip Van Winkle it. Just like you wake yeah. up, it's like, oh, wait, what year is it? <laughs> I, I mean, I these days I, I get up most mornings and I'm just like, okay, how soon can I take a nap? <laughs> how, <laughs> how many hours do I have until I can, like, the earliest possible time I can take a nap? How long do I have to do this awake thing before I can yeah. go back to this, the sweet slumber? I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, oh man, people in comas, they got it easy. They, they got the, oh, the they sure do. That's, I mean, that's the dream. <laughs> oh my God, forget it. Except it's a coma, so you're presumably not dreaming. So, oh boy. Well, right off the <laughs> rip, <That's> Mark. <laughs> it really did, didn't it? <laughs> oh boy, this went from talking about your birthday to me envying people in comas. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, wow. Thanks for listening, guys. Please. Thanks. <laughs> hope hope we brightened your day. Are yeah, you in a coma? Right in. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or I mean, have somebody do it for you because you know. Yeah, well, no, let us know. What's that like? Is that good? Is it is it everything is, that we imagine it might be? Yes. Is it, does it live up to the hype? <laughs> How disoriented were you when you came out of the coma? Are you still in the coma? Let us know. <laughs> yes. All your coma queries, please. Just send them right on in. Uh, but it was kind of an eventful week uh, for SNL as well. They uh, announced their hosts and musical guests for their next three shows, as they are wont to do. They're like, hey, we still have several shows to produce for this season. Let's get hosts and musical guests for them. That seems like a good plan. Mm-hmm. It's a, sol- it's a good and solid plan. It's a good yeah. way to, to be. And uh, yeah, so we have... April 2nd, coming up, we have uh, Gerard Carmichael with musical guest Gunna. Um, Thoughts on Gunna? Yeah, thoughts on that, John? Uh, Not too many, because I'm not too familiar with either one. So, Got it. Dunno. Uh, What about you? uh, Gerard Carmichael, I know, I know, you know, the comedian, uh, I don't know, part of me... This might be controversial to say, but I've never been too wild about him because he's like one of these comedians that a lot of people like. And he kind of came, it feels like he kind of came in on a lot of like people hyping him up. People would be like, oh my God, have you seen Gerard Carmichael? He's amazing. He's like the new be- next best big thing. And I watched mm-hmm. a special and I was like, yeah, it's all right. It's like, I don't know. But for some reason, he seemed to be kind of riding this wave of people really like loving him and seeing something that I kind of don't. It's kind of like little Sebastian on Parks and Rec. Like Gerard okay, Carmichael yeah. Brady is in my little Sebastian where I'm like, I don't see what all the hype is. Like, and, I, and you're Ben Wyatt just mugging to the camera, yeah, just going like, I, just shrugging and going like, huh? What? Yeah. Okay. I don't get it I, I'm at all. Surprised. I feel out of the loop because he's 
a comic who's obviously big enough to host SNL, and I was not familiar with him. I mean, uh, usually when that happens, it's somebody that I know and I have an opinion on, like uh, like John Mulaney or or Dave Chappelle or Kevin Hart or you know, like any of those people I was at least tangentially aware of. Um, so uh, again, getting old. Yeah, I mean, he was a he had like a big come up a few years ago, not too long. Like his very first H, uh, comedy special was on HBO at the Comedy Store, directed by Spike Lee. And I and I watched that, and I was like, I didn't think it was that great. He had like a lot of good, interesting premises, but there's not a strong punchline to them mm. and okay. i was like well, maybe I, this... I should check out his special i'm assuming it's on hbo max and yeah and like there's one point check that really out. irked me yeah there's one point that really irked me where he like took out notes and read out premises from his notes and i was like that's open mic shit what am i watching here i don't understand yeah, um... i don't that's a thing that always kind of annoyed me about uh janine garofalo's stand-up was she was so reliant on her notes, even when she was doing a special or something. And yeah, again, it's yeah. like, memorize your shit. Or, you know. Yeah, like, but even though, like, I think I give her a little bit of a pass just because her material was stronger than what uh, Gerard Carmichael has. Because, like, his stuff uh-huh. is just kind of, it's kind of like, you know, like, sort of train of thought type of thinking. Just, a, like, a lot of pontificating on things and not mm-hmm. really having a punchline. And I was like... I don't know what everybody sees yeah. in this guy. But then he got, he had a show on NBC, his own sitcom. With, um, what was the show? Uh, the Carmichael show. It had, um, what had okay. uh, David? I, th- I think I was aware of that, but I just didn't connect it with his name. I, I don't think I ever learned his full name. Yeah, yeah. It, it was him. Uh, David Allen Greer played his father on the show. It had a okay, then yes. un- had a little rel on the show. A then unknown Tiffany Haddish. Okay, was, yeah, this uh, is ringing a bell. Okay, oh, all yeah. right. So I was vaguely aware of him, but I just didn't connect to all his stuff. Okay. Yeah, so. I mean, but, yeah, I know people like him, but I'm like, I don't know. And he's, he's probably also doing this because uh, he does have a new HBO special coming out this weekend, uh, mm-hmm. so, like the day before his SNL debut. So it's probably okay. tied into that. But uh, I don't know. Oh, Gerard two specials to watch. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Actually, they're the third that he did in between but I don't, it's up to you uh, okay you know already i'm i've got to do too much homework <laughs> on this guy so i don't like him i don't like him. Uh, do you have an opinion on gonna i none i have no idea who he is he's okay. i'm assuming right. a rap so, with a name like gonna it's got to be like a rapper if he comes out being like a, a polka king i'll be very surprised but i'm assuming be a, a daring way to for <laughs> snl to go in 2022 as they bring on the polka king <laughs> yeah gonna uh he's actually a zydeco artist hmm i did not see huh. that coming all right. all right well that's interesting yeah. okay that's, yeah. that's, that's, all right. and then uh the next week uh april 11th we've got uh jake gillenhall and uh camila cabello returning as a musical guest we covered uh the previous episode where camila cabello was the musical guest i forget who the host was that week let me look that uh, up real fast david harbour david harbour okay yes I remember that show. I don't remember too much about what we thought about uh, Camila Cabello's music. I think we thought it was all right. I just, I remember, we probably went on more about uh, that grouch sketch more than anything. But yeah, I think we thought it was a big hit of that week. Um, yeah. And, but I think uh, we Jake thought she was okay. That'll be interesting to see him, uh, you know, especially with uh, all the, all the, the Taylor Swift of it all. Yes. 
the Taylor Swift is he going to return a scarf? Yeah, I'm is he going to bring a scarf? Is he? Are they going to address it during the monologue? I would hope it would be pretty awesome if they did, but I, I think yeah. they might. I, I mean, I don't know what his feelings are on it. If he's like a good sport about it, or maybe he might be a little salty sour on it. We'll we'll see. It, it would be in his best interest to like be okay with it yeah. and make light of it and make fun of himself. And it, but I don't know. Maybe he's all in his yeah. feelings about it. You know, like you know, uh, you have your ex write a, a scathing ten minute song about you. Yeah, I mean, even if he does have a problem with it, he should he should pretend like he's a good sport about it. Yes, put on a brave face. We're like, no, no, this is all fun and games. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this will actually be Jake's second right. time hosting. Uh, he hosted back in two thousand seven mm-hmm. with musical musical guest The Shins. And he also made a cameo in one of John Mulaney's shows uh, during the airport sushi. uh, Yes, yes. I remember that. I think I read somewhere that he almost got hit with something while he was in the air during that sketch. Worth it. (laughs) Totally worth it. And then uh, lastly, on April the 18th, we have Lizzo as the host and musical guest. It should be interesting, too. Um, I, I enjoy Lizzo's music. I mean, we talked about it when she uh, was the musical guest when uh, Eddie Murphy hosted. And she's very good. She has, she has a very big, you know, bright personality, very likable. Um, we'll see if that translates to sketch comedy. Um, it's kind of this. She kind of came up in the uh, social media era where, you know, she used to performing and stuff, you know, the same way Billie Eilish did, who also hosted and musical guested. And we'll see if... Uh, Lizzo can uh, follow in those same footsteps. I, I have a good feeling. I have a, fe- I have a feeling yeah. she'll do well. Well, fingers crossed. I mean, uh, this this is a surprising batch of hosts and musical guests. It's it's none of the hosts are people that I would have predicted would be hosting soonish. Um, but you know, we'll see. You're always you always hope for the best. Yeah, the Gerard Carmichael one really surprised me. Like Jake Gyllenhaal. All right, I get that. Lizzo. Yeah, I, I could see that. Gerard Carmichael, I was like, whoa, that just because I don't think he's that big a household name to host. But then again, you know, Ariana DeBose wasn't a lot of people didn't know who she was either. So I don't know. We'll see. Well, we will see. All right. So that's the latest in SNL news. In the meantime, it's still a gap week for us. We're covering a movie, a documentary, actually, uh, directed by a former SNL cast member, Lucy and Desi, directed by Amy Poehler. It just came out at the beginning of March, and it's uh, streaming right now on Amazon Prime. It's a um, really interesting look about, you know, of course, Lucy, Lucille Ball, Desi Arnaz, uh, the, the great Hollywood couple that uh, ushered in a lot of amazing uh, things. They were, like, there at the start of television. And, I mean, I always knew a good amount about uh, Desi Arnaz. Like, I mean, a lot of people credit him for being the one to, um, oh, hey, we should shoot this TV show in front of a live studio audience. And, oh, yeah, the, the three-camera setup. Like, I think I learned that in college, like, when I was taking communications. Like, he kind of had the idea to do the three-camera setup, which, which became the way to shoot sitcoms for, like, decades and decades afterwards. But there was a lot I didn't know about Desi that I learned from this doc and uh, a lot I didn't know about Lucille Ball that I learned from this doc. It was pretty informative, I have to say. Uh, yeah, it uh, it was very educational. And um, 
I don't know if you watch this. I, I asked you this, I think, a week or two back when we were first talking about doing this. Did you happen to see the uh, thing that Aaron Sorkin did about uh, Lucy and Desi, where Nicole Kidman was playing Lucille Ball and um, uh, Desi was played by uh, Javier Bardem? Did you get to see that? I did not. Um just because, like, I am a big Aaron Sorkin fan. I like his dialogue, but I, even like when they first, when I first heard about who was going to play Lucy and who's going to play Desi, I was like, no, that's that's a mistake. That's a huge miscast. And it seems like, I mean, my it seems like my prejudices were unfortunately correct because, like, I've heard a lot of people say, yeah, this isn't quite that great. I've heard, I, I've heard a lot of people say, not quite you know, glowing things about uh, Aaron Sorkin's last few projects, like the trial of Chicago six and uh, Molly's game. I saw Molly's game and I was like, it's good, but it, I thought it needed to be a little bit shortened and tightened up and edited. And um, as far as uh, the movie being the Ricardos goes, I've, I heard like a lot of mixed things about it and it just didn't look exciting to me, even though I do like Aaron Sorkin and I do like, you know, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. I was a, I grew up on. I love Lucille. Too. I saw all the reruns growing up, and like, even with that, I was like, I don't think this is gonna hit the way I want it to. And it seems like I was right. I mean, did you uh, you checked it out, right? What, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, yes, I did watch it, and um, yeah, it, the big the biggest problem I would say is that uh, Kidman and to a lesser degree, Bardem were, were miscast. I mean, they, they don't look much like Lucy and Desi. They don't act much like Lucy and Desi, even in the bits where they're reconstructing, uh, uh, things from I love Lucy. They, they don't really recall their acting very much. So it was disappointing in that regard. And the writing was not Sorkin's best. I'm a big fan of Aaron Sorkin. I, I love, so many things he's done, you know, West Wing, Sports Night, uh, The Social Network, Few Good Men. Love all that. Inject it directly into my veins. But this this was Sorkin at his worst because he gets he gets preachy. And there was he did this weird framing device where he had some of the I Love Lucy writers. But they weren't the real writers. It was actors playing the writers in like the present day. So you had like Linda Lavin from Av- Alice playing uh i'm blanking on the writer's name but she's played by alia shawcat from arrested uh development in the flashbacks scenes and it's a whole lot of the writers just going like well the thing you have to understand is and it's like okay you're just you're telling not showing and uh the about the only thing i liked about it was uh jk simmons as william frawley because jk simmons is a gift to all mankind and uh we should just treasure any performance he, he cares to give us. I mean, I like J.K. Simmons, but but the rest was bad. Yeah, uh, listeners, we are a J.K. Simmons household here at the SNL Nerds, and I thought I knew he would be good because he's always solid. But like everything else about that movie, I wasn't I wasn't too sold on, or, or I was like, I don't I don't know about this. So that's what that's the thing that kept me away uh, from. I should maybe just watch it just to. Get to see how much of what I thought it would be was correct, but I have not seen it. So um, I mean, I'm sure, like maybe the Amazon released this documentary just to maybe you know spring interest in in the uh, in the Sorkin movie. 
But like the fact that the two of them sort of came out around the same time can't be like a coincidence, I assume. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the story is behind the timing of it. I think this documentary far better than than the Sorkin thing. Um, so I thought this was as well done as the as much as the Sorkin thing was badly done. Um, I was really, really impressed with with this. It's it's a pretty tight uh, documentary. It's like an hour, 42 minutes, but it was so well done. And it really goes over like the breadth of their lives together, which didn't end when they divorced. They still maintained like a friendship and a business relationship after their divorce, which I wasn't really aware of. I thought that was pretty amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, we're probably going to hop around from uh, thing to thing that we liked about this stuff. Cause I did enjoy it. It, it. Like I said, it told me a lot about um, Lucy and Ricky and their, um, or Desi. I, should, I was, shouldn't call him Ricky, but I, I learned a lot about his background and whatnot. And again, like uh, Desilu Productions, the production company, they started up and the production company that, helped out in uh, so many shows and like created a lot of shows that I, I I wasn't aware of like Mission Impossible and Star Trek and Dick Van Dyke and My Three Sons uh, you know that girl like all these shows sort of came mm-hmm. out of Desi Desilu production and the fact that he was able to sort of build himself up from this kid from uh, you know this Cuban kid who grew who immigrated to Miami and was like cleaning canary cages and to become this huge media mogul is like it's it's nothing short but of incredible. I thought. Yeah, and they made the point that um, that Desi and his family they were not they were not immigrants. They were refugees from Cuba because his father, uh, I think they said his father was the sheriff and and his uncle w- was also positioned in the government. I forget what the exact uh, titles were, but the regime that they worked in was overthrown, and they. <laughs> they they just got word that oh yeah the military is coming down the street for you you should leave now and and they said well what should I take and they said nothing go now and so that is how quickly they had to hightail it out of Cuba this was in like uh, the twenties or thirties I think in nineteen thirty three was the year they gave but that was an amazing story and uh, and then it, it covers how Lucy and Desi met doing a picture together and they, they cover the early days of Lucy's career, how she kind of came up as a showgirl and then sort of found her niche in, in comedy and in some musical comedy. And I mean, that, that was fascinating. And basically I love Lucy came about because they just, they wanted to work together. They, they wanted to find a way to work together and so to be around each other as much as possible. Yeah, no, that story about, like you said, about, um, Desi, like, is, yeah, like I said immigrated, but I meant, I should have said, you know, was a refugee, because like you said, um, mm-hmm. I, from what I believe his father was the mayor, and like you said, his uncle was the sheriff. They were under, yeah. Um, Macha- yeah, Machato's um, regime, his administration. They said that, like, Desi's grandparents founded Bacardi Rum. I was like, the fuck? Yeah. Like, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know about that at all. Yeah. That's nuts, right? <laughs> I was like, that's nuts. Yeah, that's that's insane. And uh, yeah, the fact that they the uh, Cuban Revolution happened, and then they had to flee, and they had to be refugees in Miami. Yeah, that that was a dynamic story. I don't, like I was thinking, had they ever talked about that in any other 
documentary? Because this is the first I'm hearing about. That's an incredible story. Like, I would have loved to hear more about that. Uh, but yeah, and also they talked about uh, Lucy growing up in uh, Jamestown, New York, and which is like upstate New York, about an hour outside of Buffalo. And uh, yeah, like um, talk about her background. I think her father passed away when uh, she was young. And it's like you said, she she moved to New York to become a showgirl and ended up becoming a model. Like people forget, like, you know, Lucille Ball is a, easy on the eyes as, as, a, as a young woman. And um, yeah, then she moved to L.A. and was able to get a lot of acting work at uh, RKO Pictures. Yeah, that was something else hearing about Lucy's early days. And, and, and she's also like very, um, I, I don't know if I want to say modest, but she, she seems to have no illusions about her talent. She was like, oh, yeah, I'd get cast as a showgirl. And then they and then I would have like a week or two's worth before they caught on that I wasn't a great singer or a great dancer. And so she didn't really find an inroad until she became a model. And she was very good at that. And then that was that was sort of her pathway into motion pictures, and that that was something else. And um, and it was also good to just remind people of how revolutionary it was. The, like the they basically conceived the structure, the modern structure of the sitcom with I Love Lucy. They they were like, oh well, we can't we can't do a, a kinescope and send that to New York because it's just too low quality. And so Desi said, well, why don't we do it on film? And then we can have high quality and both the East and the West Coast can have the same quality stuff. And, you know, Lucy's at her best in front of an audience. So why don't we uh, tape it in front of an audience or, or film it in front of an audience? And and they said because of that, because shooting on film is so expensive, they're, they're doing what we see on I Love Lucy is basically the first take. And so they just would rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and they would just get it all down to like a science. And then they would record it with three cameras going all at once. And that's the first time that was ever done. That was that was something else. I mean, yeah, they really benefited from being like at the forefront of television and all these things, like just being the first to be there because, yeah, like there was like there was no rules. It was just kind of. You know, like it was kind of like almost like the birth of the internet, like where people were like, "Yeah, we have this new thing now, this new form of media. We don't know how it works. We don't know what to do." And then you just kind of make up the rules as you go along, and that's what they were kind of doing. They were like, "Well, it's like you said, Lucy works better in front of a live audience, so let's just get a live audience in here." And uh, it was really interesting, and like also the fact that the way that they were able to get their TV deal, I thought was interesting as well, because. Uh, like you said, like Lucy was doing a lot of movies. She was in a movie with Katherine Hepburn. She did a movie with uh, Ginger Rogers, all these big name stars. And then they got together because Desi was, like I said, she, he was in uh, Miami cleaning canary cages. And then he was able to hook up with this um, big name sort of rumba dancer, Xavier uh, Gupta, I believe. Kuga. His name is Kuga, yes. Wow, I wasn't even close. And um, and who's like a big deal in the uh, in the Latin circles? And they even interviewed uh, Charo. Charo's in this documentary, and you talk about yeah, Xavier was a huge deal. Like you know, he helped. He mentored me, and he mentored uh, Desi. And um, Desi got into music and being like a like a, a band leader. And he sort of introduced the um, you know all these Latin dances to America. And through that, he was able to get like a kind of a movie deal because he had did a show on Broadway. And that movie 
was where as was the movie where he met Lucy, who was also working on that film. And the two of them hooked up and they got married like six months later. How insane is that? That's that's something else. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's like the very definition of a whirlwind uh, romance. And yeah, it was such a kick to see Charo there. And it was you're like, oh, look at that Charo. Because like we're we're old enough. We're of the generation. We remember Charo popping up on like the love boat all the time or you'd see her on the Tonight Show or whatever. And she just became like this sort of omnipresent pop culture thing. I think she was on Bob Hope specials, too. Um, but she was like everywhere in like the late 70s, early 80s. But you don't see or hear much from her today. So it was, it was a real kick to see Charo there. That was just like, wow, I was not expecting to see Charo in this Lucille Ball Desi Arnaz documentary. That was a surprise. Like there was, I like how they included Charo in this doc. I liked how they included um, interviews with uh, Carol Burnett in this doc. I'm like, you know how Lucille Ball influenced uh, mm-hmm. her. And like towards the end, they bring that back where they say, oh yeah, I met I met uh, Lucille Ball and when I was doing this show, like Once Upon a Mattress, <laughs> and like Lucy came to see me and we became like good friends and she like mentored me. And uh, Bette Midler is also in this as well. Like Bette Midler has sort of the same story where mm-hmm. she was like, I was surprised to see Lucille Ball at my show because I worked very, very blue. And but she really liked my show, and like she kind of mentored yeah. me, and she mentored a lot of other like in her later years, she mentored a lot of other uh, comedians coming up, like uh, Mary Tyler Moore and uh, Joan Rivers, and it was like a, it's like oh wow, that's 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 pretty cool, that's a pretty beautiful thing to say. Yeah, and it was it was really cool that yeah, Lucy was making the effort to give back and 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 mentor that next generation of ladies in comedy, and. Like a, a documentary like this could easily just become talking heads and, and it's like more people talking about that. But what I thought was really exceptional about this was they had uh, 20 cassette tapes of Lucy and Desi just talking about their own lives. And that was amazing. I, I did a little reading on this and apparently uh, Lucy originally did this. She was there was going to the Ladies Home Journal was going to do a feature on her. And so uh, Lucille Ball like recorded her answers uh, for a lot of the questions on this. And then for whatever reason, they didn't end up doing the article. And the writer felt so bad. She went to Lucy and said, oh, well, I'm sorry this is hap- isn't happening. But, you know, honestly, this could be a book. And so Lucy just kept on recording all this stuff about her life for the book. And I, I don't know if the book project ever came together or not. Uh, I found like an NPR interview with uh, Lucy's daughter, uh, Lucy Arnaz Luckenbill. And so, yeah, it's just hours and hours of Lucy and Desi talking about their lives. And and that's fascinating because you just, you get to hear it in their own words and usually not too many years removed from when this was done. It, I mean, that was, that was really something else. Uh, yeah, it almost kind of reminded me of the way people like sort of record their lives on Instagram today or on, uh, you know, TikTok these days where they're just constantly kind of showing their lives to everybody and recording everything that's happening. Uh, that's always really interesting. Like you get, to, but it's beautiful too, because you get to hear their take on things and, uh, you know, think that maybe the media kind of skewed or the media wasn't too wild, you know, maybe the way, you know, how the media does where it kind of skews things to show a certain way. Uh, I think it's like we said, where um, after they met after six months, they got married and a lot of people weren't kind of crazy about that because, you know, this, you know, this beautiful redheaded white woman marrying this dark skinned man from 
from Latin America. Oh, and they, they kind of talk about that, like how he was sort of seen as the other and he had to like sort of overcome that, you know, like how people maybe portrayed him as this, all oh, this Latin with the fiery temper and you keep him away from your, keep him away from your women. You, 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 you know what it'll do. And like uh, how they had to sort of overcome that little, uh, that obstacle. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you don't, for some reason, we don't typically think of Lucy and Desi as being an interracial marriage, but it totally was. It was, um, and and they were doing this show about it in the early fifties, and 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 she had to fight to get Desi on the show because he didn't have anywhere near the track record that she had as an actor. And uh, I mean, he was a performer in other ways, of course, but she had to fight for him to to get him on the show, and then he. He, he turned into this amazing straight man for her. And, uh, and he also just blossomed as like a producer and a businessman. And he seemed like the best kind of boss to have because he, he would, he was of the school, like hire the right people and then get out of the way, which is really, I think how all the best stuff happens is you just find good, bright, creative people. And then you trust them to do their jobs well. And you don't, interfere fear a lot and yeah so so that seemed really cool and and it was it was just so revolutionary for the time just technically with the three camera system that they did i mean that's amazing yeah and it was cool how they were able to finally be give or not give but be okay with putting on desi as the um, as the head of the household or the the husband on the show because uh, before yeah. the uh, the show came about lucy had her a radio show which uh, was doing, I think was doing okay, but it was definitely good enough that CBS was like, oh, this show, this radio show is doing great. We would like a TV version of this radio show that you're doing. I think it's called My Favorite Husband at the time, I believe. And Lucy uh-huh. said she wanted to, Lucy said she wanted to do it, but she would only do it if uh, Desi would be her husband on the show. Because I think at the time, the two of them were spending a lot of time apart. Like he was touring with his band. She was doing, you know, movies and TV shows and radio. So they weren't spending a lot of time together. They were apart a lot of time. It was, you know, hurting their marriage. So she was like, oh, I want him on the show. Plus we have great chemistry and he would be well. And of course they were like, no, we, we want a nice little, uh, you know, all, all American man for you to be, you know, you know what that means. It means white. <laughs> we want an all-American man to be your your husband. So uh, the way they got around that was, I believe Desi was the one that said, well, how about this? How about you come with me on tour? And like we could do like an act in between the, um, you know, the performances, the musical performance, like, a, you know, like I'll be the straight man, you be you, be the goofy self. And like, you know, we'll, we'll see what the audiences think of that. And uh, maybe some of the CBS people will look at that and see how that plays. And sure enough, they did that. They were we went on tour together, and sure enough, audiences loved them together. And then CBS was like, "All right, well, hmm, this maybe this maybe this will work." Now that I see with my own eyes that they are good together. Yeah, it was. Um, you you mentioned them like being apart a lot of time because uh, I nearly said Ricky because Desi was on tour a lot, um, and they actually say in the doc, or you hear Lucy say rather that. Because Desi also went into the army at one point. Uh, this was like uh, during the World War II years, I think. Um, right. He he was deployed. I, I don't know if he was overseas, but anyway, he was he was in the army. And she said that yeah, for the first nine years of our marriage, we were apart for eight and a half years of that. That's 
amazing. That's like, I mean, <laughs> it's amazing that that wasn't the end of their marriage right there. Cause that's, that's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It's uh it's pretty shocking. It's like, Oh wow. He went, he went, I think he, yeah, he went into the army after just getting married and, and all this. I was like, wow. This, thank you for your service, sir. Yeah. That, I mean, that was something else. So, yeah, the way the the way they conceived the show, and yeah, the way Lucy was like, "Yeah, I'll only do a TV version if Desi can be the husband," and I mean, it's it's just amazing. And of course, they intersperse this with a lot of very well chosen clips. They they choose they chose a lot of clips that where the sitcom situation was sort of paralleling what uh, was happening with Lucy and Desi's lives at the time, and I thought that was that was very well done. Uh, they they chose the clips very well, and it wasn't just the same Lucy clips that you've seen a million times before, like the the chocolates on the conveyor belt, or uh, I mean, you see you see like the grape stomping, and uh, they show like briefly Vitamina Vegemin, uh, but they they don't just hit on all the usual suspects, which was nice. I mean, it was there were a lot of scenes where it was like, oh wow, I don't really remember this episode, but this is cool. I mean, that's that's cool. Yeah, like they showed like one scene that I don't remember at all, but. Uh... When uh, Ricky's mother comes to visit, and like then they show mm-hmm. like the cultural divide between Lucy and Ricky's mom, because Ricky's mother doesn't speak English, and you know Lucy, so Lucy had a hard time communicating with her. And um, then like Ricky comes into the apartment, it's like oh mama, and then like they hug and they, they immediately like talk right into their Spanish, and then Lucy's like the odd man out, just like things like that. We're like oh yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. I I never. Uh, Never noticed that. And that's actually also another thing that they talk about in the doc, too, like how both Lucy and Ricky were, you know, family was very important to them. Uh, both of them sort of lost their parents at an early age. So they both had to sort of become the breadwinners and, and the heads of their household and provide for the family. So uh, that was a, a big uh, that was a big deal for them. And, uh, of course, one of the things like they even mentioned, too, where like uh, after this after the show got on and became a hit uh, and then Lucy uh, got pregnant. And then the two of them had to get married again in a Catholic ceremony to appease uh, Desi's mom because uh, I think in, in, in uh, Desi's mother's eyes, she saw them being married outside of a Catholic church as, as a, not a legit marriage. And they, they even say in the, in the doc, like how maybe like the fact that she couldn't, that Lucy couldn't have gotten pregnant earlier is because they weren't married in a Catholic church, which I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, it really um, reminds you what a conservative time that was in many, many ways. And just, you know, things that we don't even blink at today. I mean, you know, these days it's like, oh, you know, live together and have a few kids and yeah, maybe get married somewhere down the road. But back then it was like, no, you have to get married and you have to get married in the Catholic Church and you have to do this this way. And. It, yeah, and it was also interesting that, yeah, not only were they both the breadwinners of their respective families, they became the caregivers for both of their parents. And they, they had a very nice picture of, like, Desi with his mother and Lucy with her mother. And they, they both basically had, they took all their families with them. They were, like, living with their families. Or they at least put up their their, their families and, and took care of all their extended family. So they had they felt a real sense of responsibility in that way. And so they, and they also had that incredible work ethic that that you see with anybody who went through the depression where it's just like, you got to work as hard as possible and do as much as possible because you don't know when that next meal is coming from, you know? 
Yeah, that's the thing, like, I also took away from this, like, about how a lot of people say that Lucy's, like, sort of comedy, comedic timing was, like, kind of effortless. She was just naturally funny. And this uh, doc does a, does a good point of to say, no, actually, it wasn't. Like, she even says herself, she doesn't consider herself a funny person, but she works hard at her comedy and w- works hard at her craft. Like, everything, like, everything comedically she did was like, you know, well thought out, well timed, and just comes from a lot of studying and a lot of rehearsing. Like she even later on in the doc, she mentions how like Buster Keaton was a bit of a mentor towards her and like how she took a lot of cues from him about how to approach comedy. She saw it, she saw it very much as a science. It wasn't uh, like a natural thing. It just didn't come to her. Like she she really worked hard at being this funny. It's not which I uh, which I thought was very interesting. Like I like I've always heard people just say like, oh yeah, she just she's just a, a natural comedic talent. And this doctor does a very good job of saying no. This 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 comedy shit is was was, was work, son. What the, the doctor doesn't say that, but it says none. It's not so many words, but it says something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a really good point to make. That was that this that uh, the I Love Lucy show was very meticulously put together. And that, that's a point that the, the Sorkin uh, movie tried to make, but it made it in a much clumsier way, I thought. Like, they tried to show that, like, Lucy was this genius at, at comedy. But in the show, okay, the, the Sorkin uh, thing, which I'm honestly forgetting the title of. I don't even remember that. That's how bad I thought the thing was. Um, it takes place over the course of one week, one production week of I Love Lucy. And they have, and he, Sorkin puts it, together like lucy finding out she's pregnant lucy being accused of being a communist oh yeah that happened and them uh putting together an episode of i love lucy where they're trying to get uh, fred and ethel back together and they had a thing where they're staging this big dinner party scene in the ricardo's apartment and we're supposed to think that lucy's this comedy genius because like two days into the rehearsal she's like wait 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 fred and ethel have their backs to the audience we can't have that and i'm like yeah how do you not how do you not notice that the first freaking day? How is that? How does that take you two days? You're like a comedy genius and you've been doing this show for like a year or so. So I, I thought that was something where Sorkin was trying to show that she was like operating on a higher level, but it was just so clumsily done. I thought it was stupid. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That, that is pretty funny. Like where it's like, Hey, wait a minute. The comedy genius says the performance shouldn't have their backs to the audience this she's working on another level whoa (laughs) i mean like yeah even in the in the 1950s we knew that you're not supposed to do that so it was just weird that the the sorkin thing tried to present it as like this great insight it was it just came off as like okay well sorkin doesn't know how live studio audience comes are done (laughs) he just is pretending that he does and i'm just like you've made tv how do you not know more about how tv is made i just thought that was a really funny thing and you know we're, we're supposed to come away from that thinking like oh my god she's she's so insightful and it's like no no that that's just dumb i mean i like the idea of it that you you're supposed to see how a bit developed into what it became on the lucy show but it just seemed like that was just dumb supposition on sorkin's part but anyway i'm I'm talking too much about that and not enough about this doc that I really loved. Yeah, let's talk. Let's get off Sorkin. Talk about this because I, I actually also really liked how they introduced um, Vivian Vance and William Frawley 
like how they came to be a part of the show. Like they basically said Vivian Vance uh, came in because the director of the TV show, I, I believe his name was uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Daniels or something. Uh, Mark, yeah, Daniels. Was, Mark Daniels. Yeah. She, uh, he knew Vivian from, uh, from Broadway and plays. And like, she apparently just got the job before Lucy even met her. And like, they even make a point to say, yeah, like I didn't even meet with Lucy, but I got the job. And Lucy was like, yeah, like I, I mean, I like Vivian a lot and we get along really well and we have great comedic timing. But yeah, the fact that like, I think even Vivian was like, yeah, sometimes I wonder if I would have gotten the job if I'd met you first beforehand. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And uh, William Farley apparently was somebody who, Apparently the networks didn't want because you know he's an old he was an older fellow. Uh, he had done like a bunch of B movies and wasn't really well known. Uh, apparently he had a drinking problem, mm-hmm. and and the network really didn't want him. But like uh, Desi fought for him, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think uh, I mean I, I think as far as like TV show chemistry grow, goes, I think the four of them have it really well. Like the four of them have that sort of like lightning in a bottle. Uh, type of uh, connection and you know comedic chemistry that you know that only comes along you know once in a lifetime. Although I do enjoy like how they said in the doc how um, William and Vivian didn't get along because uh, in the doc they do say that I think Vivian was upset because she was 22 years younger than William <laughs> and like the fact that they said that they thought that it would be believable that she'd be married to him or married to quote unquote that old man was mm. insulting to her and William heard that and he got insulted. So the two of them uh, had a bit of a, you know, weren't exactly the best of pals. Yeah. I think, I think that's pretty commonly known that they, that those two did not like each other in real life. I think that's, that's one of the, the factoids about I love Lucy that's been spread far and wide. Um, but they didn't make too much of a meal of it in this movie because yeah, we've, we've heard those stories before. Um, but of course, they they had to touch on, it. and I think that was just the right amount. I I thought there were so many good choices in this. I mean, it didn't it didn't dwell on stuff we've heard a million times before, and it it just sort of it put things into context, and it yeah, it was just it was just wonderfully done. Um, yeah, the the Vivian Vance thing. Um, yeah, it, it was neat to, when when she and Lucy were like, yeah, I wonder if you if I would have gotten the job if. Uh, if you had met me beforehand um, and Mark Daniels, by the way, I also know his name because he directed, ended up directing a lot of episodes of Star Trek, the original Star Trek, which was a Desi Lu production. Um, and I, I'm a big Star Trek fan. So I know a little about that. Um, something that wasn't in the doc, but just a bit of trivia that I love is that when they pitched the show with the title Star Trek to Lucille Ball, who was running Desi Lu by herself by that point in the sixties, um, she thought it was about like stars on like a USO tour or something like that, <laughs> because that was her context for that. And, and she was like, wait, what? And at one point she was asking the producers of somebody and she was like, wait, well, well, what happened to that USO show about the, about the USO tour? And they're like, uh, Lucy, we didn't pitch you anything like that. And she's like, no, yes, you did. Yes, you did. That, that Star Trek thing. And they're like, oh no, that's a science fiction show. Lucy. So I just love that story. I mean, in her defense, if you say Star Trek, you mm-hmm. you would think, oh, it's a bunch of stars and they're trekking around, right? They're trekking around the country. All right, maybe. 
Maybe I'll yeah, sign up I, on that. I just think that's funny because that was her context. That was what her mind immediately went to. And of course, she eventually uh, <laughs> uh, learned better. But yeah, if not for Lucia Ball, we would not have Star Trek. And, you know, that that's worked out pretty well. Yeah, I, I've heard of it. I've heard of that show. Mm-hmm. It's pretty well known. Uh, yeah, and I also liked how they talked about, uh, you know, Lucy's pregnancy and how they dealt with that on TV because, mm-hmm. like, something like that wasn't was unheard of. Uh, you know, yeah. pregnant woman you, on t- you can't talk about pregnancy or show a pregnant woman. You can't you couldn't even say pregnancy. You had to say yeah. like expecting or um, you know a blessed event, In a family way. <laughs> yes, it was, it was so weird that you couldn't just say pregnant. That's like a that's not even like a yeah. a slur or nothing. It's a technical medical term. Yeah, but it was it was considered like I guess almost a dirty word or or just you know not something you bring up in family entertainment. I mean, this is still in the era when married couples are sleeping in separate beds on the sitcom, and yeah, it, and Ricky would just be like, "Oh yeah, my wife, she's expecting." <laughs> and uh, yeah, and they show clips of the famous episode where like Lucy learns that she's pregnant and she she breaks it to Ricky in the middle of his uh, nightclub act and. You know, that's that's such a great sitcom moment. And it's so funny because, like, you see it and you see what Lucille Ball is wearing. And she's obviously, like, pretty far along at that point, at least four or five months. Because she's she's wearing, like, this big baggy blouse that well, it covers up her condition. Because, of course, on the sitcom, she's supposed to be just finding out. So she shouldn't be showing yet. But, but yeah, I mean, that was revolutionary. And that's, like, the second season of the show. That's that's amazing. And, and also, they shot so many shows per season they said they shot like 41 shows in 41 weeks uh for the first season of i love Lucy. that was a season and now it's like if you have 26 episodes that's exceptional yeah the number of episodes that like 41 41 shows in 41 weeks that is bananas like who who has the time for that right (laughs) my god though that work ethic man it it is uh, commendable yeah um and just writing that many shows, I mean, and without a break and and then staging and directing and yeah, all that. That's that's incredible. I mean, there are 179 episodes of I Love Lucy. And to think that they just did those in the space of like just a few years, like five. I think they had a contract for five years at the beginning. And by the end of it, it was they were like, well, do you want to do more? And they wanted to keep going, but they, they wanted to lessen the work ethic. So they, they kind of revamped the show into the Lucy Desi comedy hour and they were still playing Lucy and Ricky Ricardo, but they would only do like one show a month. Um, so that was interesting. That was fascinating to hear. Yeah. Like I remember seeing those, I kind of remember seeing those episodes growing up and I was like, is this an official, is this like a spinoff or is this like a hour special or because it was shot better, it, like, it looked yeah, nicer, it was, it was the same people. It was kind of like a spinoff, yeah. Um, I The one episode I, I really remember, which I, I found fascinating, was they did they did a flashback episode that showed how Lucy and Ricky Ricardo met uh, in the world of the show. And it's uh, like Lucy's on a trip to Cuba with her girlfriend, and she meets Ricky, the band leader. And he's, he's, he's singing this conga or mambo type song where he he drums on his his conga and it's like bump ba bump 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 that means i love you and then in the number that's this big musical number we we see lucy she does she plays the beat back to him and and that's kind of how they 
they meet and fall in love. And it, it's a neat show. It's probably floating around on YouTube somewhere, I would bet. Um, that's a neat one to see. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I gotta watch that. Yeah, uh, but I just yeah. saw it on like Nick at Night sometime or something, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. I had no idea the show ever covered this. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, another thing they covered in this doc that I I was maybe ignorant of, of the whole commie hunt thing where they're, mm-hmm. you know, we're looking for people, for possible communists in Hollywood, and they called in uh, Walt Disney, and then they called in Ronald Reagan, the actor. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then they called in, that's exactly what I thought as soon as I saw Ronald Reagan. That, that I suppose Jay Wyman is the Secretary of the Interior. <laughs> Both. You know, Jay Wyman is, is the first lady. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jerry <was>. Lewis. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh, I'll never Jack go Benny was the Secretary of Treasury. Okay, I got to rewatch Back to the Future because it's been too long, obviously. Oh, dude. Oh, now, now you got me. Now you got me wanting to see it again. Damn. Yeah. Oh. All right, there goes my, my plans for the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the fact that, like, um, she actually registered as a communist to sort of appease her grandfather, who is for the working man. That, right. um, but she was cleared. But then they sort of came back up again. Was like mm-hmm. a whole thing. I didn't know that was like something that was weighing on them. And right. the fact that like Desi really went to bat for her to say like, no, she was cleared of all charges. She has she's not affiliated with the Communist Party. And she he went so far just to um, he went as far as to even get J Edgar Hoover on the horn. Like I feel like there's a clue quote in there somewhere, but yeah, yeah. J. Edgar Hoover. But yeah, he, he got him on the horn to even exonerate her, saying, "Yeah, she's she's not with the Communist Party. She's she's good." That was, I thought that was uh, amazing. Yeah, and and Desi had a great line about it too. He said, "Like you know, the the only thing red about Lucy is her hair, and even that was fake. <laughs> she's not a real redhead." Um, so. That was amazing. Yeah, the, the the Hoover thing I knew about because the Sorkin thing, of course, uh, covers that as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just fascinating to hear about all this stuff. And you see, they have like archival footage of Desi like introducing a studio audience to an I Love Lucy uh, taping. And yeah, it's, it's just so cool to see like film of them out of character and just living their lives or or just talking uh, as themselves, because we don't see a whole lot of that these days. So that was just a fascinating window into their lives. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was really fast. And another thing um, that this uh, doc touches on uh, that Desi had the foresight to to do that no one else even thought of because, again, TV was a new medium, uh, syndication rights. Like uh, mm. Desi, Desi was able to sell off reruns of I love Lucy for five mil. Like no one even thought to do that. Like that was pretty uh, innovative as well. Right. Like back in that era, like reruns weren't a thing. That's how far back this was. And they basically pioneered the rerun model where they, they like rerun an episode during the, the summer hiatus or whatever. And I'm sure that's part of why they did so many shows per year because they didn't, the, the networks just didn't think to ever rerun them. Um, uh, that's amazing where yeah they basically invented the rerun and, and the show was popular enough that they could get away with that and and i guess the networks realized hey there's an audience here even if we're not making new episodes so that's just what what would television look like today if lucy and desi hadn't done all this stuff like would there even would television have even survived as a medium if they hadn't thought of that i mean it's it's just interesting to ponder yeah, it really is. Like uh, the more and more you look at it, the more you you think, oh wow, Desi and Lucy—they really had their 
their hand on the pulse of what TV, of what we know now as TV. They really wrote a lot of the rules for this. And it was like, wow, they're like, you know, people just see Lucy and Desi and think of them as like, you know, comedic comedy, uh, you know, sweethearts and whatnot. But like, no, they were behind the scenes. They were, they were uh, innovating and really like, really sort of, you know, building what TV would be. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's just something else to, to contemplate like all this stuff. And they, they, they got divorced like right around the end of the Lucy Desi comedy hour. I forget what year that was. I think it was like 1960 ish or something like that. Uh, I may be off on that date. though. And, and, and her, like Lucy and, and Desi's daughter, uh, Lucy Ernest Luckinbill, she's saying like, yeah, in some ways they seem to get along better after they got divorced. They said they were much nicer to each other. Um, and, and so much so that, that Desi even came in as a producer and like a consultant on Lucy's subsequent shows. Like she did, she did another sitcom with Vivian Vance and she did uh, things with, uh, I think that the actor's name was Gail Gordon, where he was like always playing her, her boss. Um, it was something Gordon, um, some double G name. Uh, and I had no idea that they still had, that they still maintained a friendship and a business relationship after that. And, and that was really cool to hear. There were still like, there was still a lot of love there. Yeah, that was pretty, uh, I didn't, I didn't expect to see that either. I mean, the fact that like they broke, I mean, I knew they divorced and everything, but it seems like a lot of it had to do with their, their working relationship and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, the industry because like you said like the show got incredibly successful incredibly popular so much so that they were able to buy RKO Studios the exact same studios mm-hmm. that put on the film that they met on and they were able to you know make Desilu bigger and better but the thing kind of took a toll on their marriage at the same time where you know Lucy was getting a lot of more and more of attention Desi was I guess more of the behind the scenes guy I don't think he was doing the the band leading thing as much anymore. And he was like more behind the scenes and maybe Desi got maybe a little resentful of it. And, you know, he would sort of find ways to sort of relieve his stress of it and, and the business by like, you know, going out to the track and going golfing and, and, you know, drinking and whatnot. And like, but Lucy just kept working and wanted to work and work and sort of keep the, the family together. It was, uh, it was one of those things where the, the thing that they, they, they wanted to, they wanted to do the show together to keep their marriage together in the beginning. But then that same TV show was sort of kind of breaking them apart a little bit. It was, yeah. it, was it was really it, fascinating it was, to see that. It was such a grind that, yeah, it, that by the end of it, that all they had was the work and they were both excellent at the work and they weren't so great at, at the bits where they weren't at work together. And, I, I thought it was fascinating that they said that Desi Lu as a studio had reached a point where they had to grow or just walk away from all of it. Those were like the only two options. They couldn't just keep going like they did. They had to expand because they were too big to do anything else. And I thought that was a that was an interesting insight, but that, that seems like such a capitalist thing where it's like, yeah, you have to get as big as you possibly, possibly can. And that's when uh, and then after the divorce, that's when Desi Lu got into producing other shows like Star Trek and Mission Impossible, and uh, That Girl, and and 
and all that. And uh, and they, they also meant, made the point that uh, the business side of it, it, it got less interesting for Desi Arnaz because he reached a point where he was just taking care of business and he wasn't really creating stuff anymore. And it was, it was interesting to him when he was creating and finding solutions to these problems that came up of like, of how do you do this sitcom and all that. But when it just, when they, after they knew all that, it, it just didn't have the same spark for him. And I, th- I thought that was interesting and, and kind of sad for him. Yeah, that's a bummer. Like in his later years, he just kind of became maybe bored with the industry. Like you said, he wasn't creating. It was a little mm-hmm. disillusioned by it, even to the point where, like after they got divorced, um, Lucy bought Desi out and she became the head of Desi Lou Productions. And like he just kind of, you know, said goodbye to the game, as the kids say. I mean, and like, and also that uh, later on, the two of them both remarried. Um, yeah. Lucy married uh, Gary Morton. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and also Desi got remarried as well. So it's like you said, like after they split up, I mean, it was sad to see because, you know, America grew up with them being, you know, America's sweethearts. Like they were the married couple that you'd, you'd love to see together. And so to see them kind of split and take on these other relationships with these other people, it's, 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 it's rough to see. But, you know, people grow yeah. apart. It's a, you know, it's a that, sad fact I mean, life. Lucy and Desi's daughter, she made the point that... Um, Lucy and Desi, their second marriages, they both lasted longer than Lucy and Desi's marriage. I, I forget how many years exactly they were married, but uh, Lucy Arnaz Luckenbill says, oh yeah, like Lucy was Gar- married to Gary Morton for like 27 years and Desi's second marriage was something like 25 years. So those are good long runs that they had with their second spouses. But because we just have that, all that I love Lucy stuff in our heads, we, we think of them as the primary couple. Um, and yeah, it, interesting to see. Um, by the way, should, we should also mention that Desi Arnaz in his later years, he hosted one of the first episodes of Saturday Night Live. He hosted, uh, in the 14th episode of season one on February 26, 1976. So maybe we should go back and visit that episode sometime. I bet we could find that on YouTube or something. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Hey, look at that. We're bringing it back to Saturday Night Live, guys. We're yep. doing it. But, uh, but yeah, I do agree with what you're saying. Like, people see them as the primary couple, even though their second marriages lasted longer. It's kind of the same way, uh, to, again, bring it back to Saturday Night Live. When um, Gene uh, Wilder passed away, I remember people, like, sort of posting pictures of Gene with uh, Gilda. It's like, oh, they're right. together now in heaven. And then people were like, af- people also were saying, well, why are you posting that picture? Because Gene... Wilder got remarried after Gilda, yeah. do you think, his, his, his remarried wife and wants to see with, that? Yeah, and he was with that wife for longer than he was with Gilda Radner, I believe. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a funny thing to think of when, uh, <laughs> when somebody uh, remarries or something. is like, you know, you, you can have more than one love in your life. You know, it doesn't have, have to be just like, oh, yeah, this person or nothing. Absolutely. All right, so I'm looking it up, and uh, yeah, musical Desi Arnaz did host with musical guest Desi Arnaz Jr. I wonder if there's any relation. <laughs> there could be. There could be. I think there might be a connection there. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny to think. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, and also the doc talks about shows that Lucy did after I Love Lucy and after the Lucy Desi comedy hour shows like uh, the Lucy show where 
Lucy teams up again with Vivian Vance, and they play two single mothers raising kids together. Very uh, Kate and Allie, like, which stars yeah, Jane yeah. Curtin, Saturday Night Live. And, and, uh, <laughs> and Vivian Vance's character, at the very least, was divorced, which that's pretty revolutionary for the time because it was in the 60s. I know that uh, Mary Tyler Moore, when she was doing the Mary Tyler Moore show, she wanted to have her character, Mary Richards, be divorced. And they said, oh, no, you can't do that. That's still too controversial a thing. People will think that you divorced Dick Van Dyke, that you divorced Rob Petrie. And so they instead said that the Mary Richards character, she had called off a wedding. Um, she was supposed to get married and she called it off at the last minute and was starting a new life for herself. So that's pretty revolutionary. I don't know if Lucy's character was divorced as well, but I mean, that's interesting to think that they both did. They were both doing the single motherhood thing on the show and in life. Yeah, that's interesting. The network was like, hey, we can't have you divorced. That'd be too, that we can't have that. How about we do this? How about we have you um, call off a marriage and break your future groom's heart? How about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a way to get the audience's sympathies on your side. <laughs> well, yeah. People like it so much better. <laughs> yeah. You like that? We'll go with that. All right, good. See you, see you in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and, and oh, God. And uh, like their daughter, um, uh, Lucy Arnaz Luckinbill, she she was also became like Desi's caregiver as in in the last years of his life because he had like lung cancer and decided not to get treatment. And she talks about like Lu Lucille Ball's last visit with him, and then just like a day before he died, uh, she, she had Lucy get on the phone with him and, and she just said, I love you. I love you. I love you. And he said, I love you back. And, ah, oh, I mean, that was so touching. I was just like teary eyed by the end. And then literally five days later, Lucille Ball's receiving the Kennedy center honors. Right. That's amazing. Right. They had a uh, Robert Stack produce it. Cause I believe Robert Stack was in the untouchables, which is another yes. Desi Lou productions mm -hmm. joined. And uh, yeah. And like the beautiful things that he had to say. And like, uh, I think he wrote, he read something, some of uh, Desi's final words, which was like, you know, the, the 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 I Love Lucy show has always been about Lucy. She's always been like, yeah. you know, like the it heart and soul. It was not just the title show. is what he said. Right. And that's yeah. like, I mean, I mean, how could you not tear up after hearing that? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by the end of this thing, I was just like teary. And you, and you can see like they have shots of Lucy in, in the audience and she's obviously very touched and I'm sure that Desi's death was very raw. And, you know, even if, even if that marriage ended that, and when someone's such a significant part of your life, that can't help but touch you. And you see everyone in the Kennedy center just rising up to give Lucy a standing ovation. I mean, that was just, it just tears. <laughs> tears. <laughs> just, just tears rolling down my face. Yeah. I mean, but, Amy Poehler, I thought, just did a spectacular job with this. I, I would really love to see her make more documentary features, whether about, like, other women in comedy or or whatever she wants. I mean, I just I just want to see more Amy Poehler-directed stuff because uh, this this was great. I, I enjoyed Wine Country, but this was on another level. Yeah, no, she definitely has a good eye for, a, you know, mm -hmm directing and just doing things behind the camera. I know like she's most recently been doing a lot of things behind the camera, producing things, directing things. Yeah. Uh, I know she did that. Uh, oh, shit. Moxie. Making I believe it. that. 
Yeah, yeah. She's just been behind the camera a lot more, and she's. I think yeah. she's really. Uh, she she really has a talent there. I mean, she's. Of course, we know she's amazing in front of the camera and you know, amazing comedic actress. But behind the scenes, she's like really coming into her own as well. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was just terrific stuff because like you hear like oh it's it's a thing about Lucy and Desi, and you think oh yeah okay this is just going to be a, a, a the general sort of documentary. It's going to be repeating all the stuff we've heard before, and. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't belabor the stuff on on the more commonly known facts, and but I really got a sense of both Lucio Ball and Desi Arnaz as people from this, and I think a lot of that is because it's it's basic essentially narrated by the two of them, uh, more Lucy and Desi because I guess they just had more material uh, for for her. But I mean, it was it was amazing. I mean, Amy Poehler just knocked it out of the park, man. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, uh, I was expecting to see maybe a few more things. I like um, maybe stuff that was like a little bit maybe more on the uh, scandalous, you know, tabloidy side. Because, like, I remember mm-hmm. seeing, wasn't there, like, a made-for-TV movie about Lucy and Desi and talk about how Desi had all these, like, you know, was cheating and all these infidelities and stuff like that. That wasn't in this doc, but I get it because it wasn't, it didn't really fit the tone and maybe yeah. it would have painted, it, it would have given... It would have made it seem more exploitive, uh, I guess, in yeah, that way. I, I don't think there was a whole lot of interest in delving into the more tabloidy type stuff. I mean, they did acknowledge that Desi had affairs like when he was out on the road or he was out partying. And that was just kind of his release from work, I guess. Um, but no, it didn't it didn't really make a meal out of it, um, which I which I liked. That was a classy move, I thought. Yeah. Absolutely. Classy, classy, classy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I thought this was just wonderful. And I, yeah, I'd really love to see Amy Poehler make some more documentaries about whatever topic sh- strikes her fancy. Um, <laughs> I mean, more women in comedy, that would be great. I mean, there, I'm sure there's a great documentary to be made about uh, Carol Burnett or, or Mary Tyler Moore or, or Bette Midler or hell, you can probably even get a great documentary about Charo. I'm sure there's yeah. lots of cool stuff about Charo that we don't know. Charo, the untold story. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd much rather see a cool documentary than, like, you know, Sofia Vergara playing Charo in a biopic. Actually, I take that back because that sounds spectacular. But Hey, now. <laughs> um, hubba hubba. Um, but, yeah, this, I really, I can't recommend this highly enough. This was just so well done. It's streaming on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, check it out. No additional cost, no rental fee or anything. Just pop it on and enjoy. Absolutely. Check it out. I give it a thumbs up. Enjoyable doc. You get to learn more about Lucy and Desi. Uh, You get to learn about, I mean, the way they pretty much gave birth to the modern day sitcom and how they basically, like that that alone is like, wow, they really, they were really at the 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 pioneers. still used today i mean that's amazing is that they developed this in the early 50s and we still that's still essentially how they shoot sitcoms in front of a live studio audience yeah i mean they're really the pioneers of all this and so you just got to tip your hat and uh pay homage uh but yeah i I highly recommend this doc great doc uh thumbs up I'll, i'll give it thumbs up for me too just wonderful really really love seeing this absolutely and uh that's our episode guys thanks again so much for listening as always and uh yeah as always you can follow us on twitter at snl nerd show you can uh 
hit us up on our uh, our, our Patreon at mm-hmm. at uh, what is it at? Oh, it's it's at a uh, non-productive.com yeah, uh, slash slash SNL nerds. We got a Patreon. Mm-hmm. Give us some money if you like this and uh, this fine uh, it, this fine little uh, media uh, in- entertainment that's in your ears right now. Well said. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that helps us keep the show going. And uh, so does if you want to rate and review and subscribe. Uh, we love that. And uh, if you give us a nice review, we'll read that on the show. And we always love hearing what people think and what they want to hear on the podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at SNL Nerds Show. And you can follow us on our individual Twitter and Instagram pages as well. I'm at Trumbull Comic. That's T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L and the word comic. And I'm at Darren Credible. That's D-A-R-I-N Credible. Twitter and Instagram. Yep. Yep. Uh, That's the thing. So uh, we're going to be back next week. SNL will be back next week with uh, Jared Carmichael and Gunna. So we'll be checking that show out. And uh, uh, we're going to tell you what we think of that. What do you think about that, huh? How you like them apples, huh? huh? Yeah, yeah. You don't want us to do it? Well, so what? We don't care. We're going to do it anyway. We'll, we'll show you. We do what we want. We do what we want. That's right. That's right. So, uh, anything else to say, Darren? Any final thoughts? Uh, no. Okay. All right. Great ending. Ending strong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll see you next week uh, for our next regular episode with uh, Jared Carmichael and Gunna. But until then, nerds, nerds out. out! This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.